the Sunday Sermons Podcast. We almost called this series that this is the fourth day in. We almost called it Living Under the Authority of Blank. Didn't have a ring to it. Sounded kind of scary. It's called 316, not because it's some sort of a uh, numerical code or anything weird like that, but simply because a lot of the things we really felt like God really wanted us to explore together again in this season. If you go to chapter 3, verse 16 of almost any book in the New Testament, somehow or another, you're right in the middle of it. And just those one verses are not the whole answer. I just—I don't know if I've made that clear in the last couple of weeks. I, I, these aren't just one magic verse. You got to understand the whole context. And if you don't—if you haven't already picked up on it, there's always a study guide that has lots of scripture that's not even in the same books, and it's everywhere. We're just exploring these. In my dream, here's my dream and my prayer. On the other side of this, you guys are all going to be able to go. Where was that? Maybe it was a 316 verse, and you're going to be able to find it and show it to somebody. So that, that's really what that's all about. This morning, we want to try something a little bit different. By the end of today's sermon, I'd like you to be able to memorize this verse, the theme one for today, Colossians 316. Let's try it together. Let's all read right off the thing, see if you can do this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Very good. You'll get several more chances. Let that sink in. I really hope that's one of the biggest things that a lot of times as Christians we don't do enough of, I think, is actually just memorizing God's word, hiding it in our hearts so that it's always there. Um, But again, here we are today. Thank you for joining us. Those who are joining online, every person, I'm so glad you're here today. We're going to keep building on this foundation. And here's what it's been. Everything in the scripture, everything about our faith revolves around Jesus Christ. That's why we started with John 3.16. Then we looked at the scriptures, that the word of Christ is inseparable from him. We understand Jesus. We understand what he meant to the world, what he means to us, his dreams for us by reading the scriptures, the word of Christ. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I hope that sounds a little bit familiar from the verse we're trying to memorize today. We're going to try it again in just a second. But first, one more quick review from where we were last week. We also learn from the scriptures and from Jesus himself that God doesn't just want to be this powerful force out in the distance. He wants to know us as our father. That our primary identity becomes being the children of God. We find out who we are and what our lives are about by we are actually his children. And then even more than that, we are actually the, the walking portals of his presence on this earth. Just like the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And just like the temple in Jesus' day. So that's why last week we looked at 1 Corinthians verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You don't have to squint very hard to see all of this in this same verse we're trying to learn together. Let's try it one more time. Let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly. Let's try that again. I, I, I said it too fast. It wasn't on the screen yet. You guys are still practicing. Let's try this one more time. Ready? Here we go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Excellent. I think we're going to get there. I'd like you to say one more thing out loud and then we'll keep unpacking God's word together. Faith keeps us living and experiencing God's word. Let's say this out loud. Faith keeps us living and experiencing God's word. See, there's a difference between knowing something, learning something, and understanding it. I think pretty much all of us at one point, we all had to take math. I think the majority of people just endured it. But there's some wonderful people among us here today that I know you were like, this is great. I love this. And it just made sense. And you guys went on to be engineers and a whole bunch of other things. And we're so thankful for you. We're so grateful. For me, it happened to be music. And I remember as I was learning several of the instruments that I was playing and starting to learn how music worked, there were these moments where it really clicked. Different instruments. But I specifically remember on the keyboard... It was 1981. It was the only year I spent back here in America growing up. All the other years I was over there in Papua New Guinea, we didn't have any access to a keyboard. So I come back as like the Holy Grail. I was like, what is this? This is so cool. And my dad showed me how to play Heart and Soul. Anybody else know how to play that one? And I was like, so what are these shapes? What am I making? And he was like, well, that's a C and that's an A minor and that's an F and that's a G. I was like, oh, like on a guitar. And so then I started trying, trying different things, but it still didn't make sense. It was still more about just memorizing certain songs. Can I play this song? Can I play this song? Learning it verbatim. And then I remember, I don't know if anybody else remembers, there was a show on in 1981 called The Greatest American Hero. Okay? Had a really cool theme song, and I loved that song. And I, I was sitting there one day, messing around, and I, well, hold on, that sounds familiar. And I, I was like... What in the world? Look at what's happened to me. He, you, you know the song, right? And I was like, what just happened? This is just like a guitar. You can play anything on it. And, and that's when it, like, it came alive. I was like, this is, this is something big. Brothers and sisters, this is what happens when we really start to get into God's word. When we start to really memorize it, we start to actually live it. Something comes alive that just can't happen if you just show up sometimes and listen to somebody talk about it. Something happens when you actually take God at his word and live it, no matter how scary or hard it is. You try it, you live it. Something happens that it's like a whole new world. I know I'm speaking to the choir here. Almost everybody here knows that. But if you don't, I invite you to try it. And if you do, I invite you to keep trying it more. Because faith keeps us living and experiencing God's word. Jesus wants to dwell in us. He wants to dwell through us. He wants to dwell among us. And that happens when we actually live out what he gives us. And it's even more important that we embrace this in the hard times. And there's always hard times. It's when you're slogging through those long, hard valleys, those dark 
moments, when you have the biggest questions, when you're hurting the worst, that's when we need to dig even deeper. That's when it needs to happen the most. Second thing that faith does for us is it keeps us teaching and admonishing each other. Would you say that out loud with me? By the way, if you're keeping track and writing, here's the next two words to write down. Here we go. Faith keeps us teaching and admonishing each other. Uh, teaching is teaching. I think everybody knows that. The admonishing is kind of a word we don't use a lot, especially outside of church. But it's basically like coaching. It's like wise coaching. It's facing reality with strategy and with purpose. That, which is basically what good coaching is all about as well. Last week I mentioned the Rocky movies. I, I really get a lot out of them, maybe more than I should. They're almost like, it, I, really, I really like that. But if you remember, if you've ever seen these, uh, his first coach, Mickey or Mick, he basically was this mean old dude. Like he spent most of the time like cussing Rocky out. It, it didn't seem like somebody you'd want to hang out from or, or learn from very much just on the surface. But here's what happened. Mickey took Rocky to places that he never could have gotten on his own. That's what teaching and admonishing does. That's what we do when we have a mentor, when we have a relationship where there's some sort of accountability, when we commit to groups like this, big groups or smaller groups, and we, we just get to know each other better. That's, that's where somehow or another we can get to some place that we couldn't get on our own. Um, later on in the story, there's several more movies. Uh, later on, he ends up getting coached by his former opponent, Apollo Creed. And he gets him to kind of relearn everything. But he takes him places even Mickey couldn't take him. You've probably experienced this kind of thing too. You, you, get, in a, uh, you, you get to another level. You make some additional friends. You, you start studying a different book that you hadn't looked at yet and wh- whatever else and you get somewhere else. But then eventually, for all of us, this responsibility is not just to be taught and be admonished, but to do that, to pass it on. Eventually in the story, I think it's Rocky 76, 77. (laughs) Eventually, Rocky starts coaching other people. And I love he says this, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward, that's how winning is done. And this morning, I'd love to encourage you that, again, it's in the darkest and the hardest times of our life that we really see what our faith is made of. Not only our ability to keep believing, but God's ability to be worth believing in. God's ability to actually move in ways that we can't. Give us a peace that passes understanding. To, to do things, whether he does something miraculous and blows everybody's mind and there's no way to expect it other than God or explain it other than God. Or he somehow gets us through it anyway in ways that we never could have done on our own. But however he does it, we experience that when we dig deep. I hope you're digging deep this morning because the temptation is to stop. Are you with me? The easiest thing, it's always the worst thing. It's always the thing that like, it derails the rest of your life. But the easiest thing is always to just quit. The easiest thing is always to give up. I don't know if you've ever tried running a long race, maybe a 5K, half 
marathon, marathon. But imagine getting to like mile 25 of a marathon and then quitting. How depressing would that be? It's very definitely the easiest thing. I haven't tried that one yet, but I guarantee you mile 25, everything in your body and mind and soul is going, would you just please quit? You know what I'm saying? But if you go just a little bit further, you actually, you can say, I actually ran a marathon. That's what Hebrews 3.16 is talking about. It says, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? In other words, who were all those rebellious, angry, whiny, scallywags in the wilderness that kept rebelling against Moses and God? Weren't they the same people that got to see all the plagues rain down on Egypt and saw God's power and what he does when he's not pleased? Weren't they the people that saw the Red Sea part? Weren't they the people that got manna and quail brought to them every single day? Weren't they the people who knew better? Yep. But it was easy for them to fall away. And it's easy for us to fall away. And that's why, spread out, as always, you got to see the context. The rest of that chapter is saying this. Take care, brothers. Lest there be any of you... I'm sorry. Lest there be... Let me try this one more time. Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. That's another word like admonish. It means the same kind of thing. Coach, encourage. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed... We hold our original confidence to the end. How often does it tell us to encourage one another there? Every day. For some reason, it's a struggle to do it once a week. For some reason, it's a struggle to do it two or three times a week. This is something we're called to do in some way or another every day. Today, it's easier than ever. You, You could text people. You could call people. You can uh, just walk next door. You can drive in a couple of hours further. It used to take like a career to get from one end of this country to the other, like 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Now you can can go from one end of the country to the other in a couple of days. You can get around. You can contact people. You can email them. There's social media. There's all these different ways. Whatever God calls you to, there's got to be a way that you can encourage others and be encouraged even daily. I'm pretty sure that's what that says. Second Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. It says all kinds of peace in all the ways. Biblically speaking, sometimes it's what we normally think of as peace in English. Some sort of a feeling of peace. You just feel really good. At the end of a long day and you sit on your deck and you look at the birds flying by. and You know what I'm saying? It's that kind of, that's what we tend to think of. And that's one of the ways, that's one of the kinds of peace that you can feel one of the kinds of times. But at the heart of every concept, every time you see the word peace in the scriptures, it's really talking about something way deeper. It's talking about healing what is broken. Fixing what has been exploded, bringing back together what has been separated, 
digging deeper and uniting things that have been torn apart. Relationships or hearts and souls and habits and whatever it is. It's a deeper thing. And faith is when we trust that we can do that. I think one of the scariest things that happens in all of us sometimes is instead of looking at the biblical concept of faith, which is living it, experiencing it, teaching each other, admonishing each other, encouraging each other daily, we we tend to go back instead of what the Bible says, we think of people like Mark Twain, who said this, faith is believing what you know ain't so. That's scary. That's a real temptation for all of us is we go, well, I think you should pray, but it's not like God's gonna actually do anything. It's nice to comfort each other, but I'm not really sure there's a heaven. Deep down inside, maybe we don't say that out loud, but sometimes we feel that. And sometimes the world almost screams that to us. Sometimes other Christians do. I know, you know, that's, that's something you should do, but it's not like you have to. And that's why we never actually try it. We never actually live it or experience it. It never actually starts taking root and coming alive in us because we, we don't actually put our faith in it. Like this is true no matter what else. Everything else I'm ever gonna believe is based around this. That's what it takes for us to really experience the peace and all the other things that God is trying to give us. In Hebrews 11, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And once again, we've talked about this several times, even in the last couple of weeks, but to believe, when, when it says like in John three sixteen. Whoever believes in him will not perish. It's not saying whoever thinks, yeah, that's probably true. It's whoever bets everything that it's true. It's whoever gives their entire life, builds their entire life around Jesus's identity and Jesus's teaching. That's what that means. We believe not just that he exists, but that he rewards those who seek him. And we don't just believe it mentally. We actually seek him. Because we believe he exists. And we believe that he rewards those who seek him. Is this tracking? I hope this is not the first time anybody here has ever heard this. But I hope you're not tuning out going, man, I've heard this before. This is what we need every day. This is what we need to remember. This is what drowns out all the lies that distract us from what's real. This is what we build our lives on. This is what faith is. Jesus used that word faith over and over. And usually it was in situations like in Mark 5, uh, in Mark chapter 5, where a woman touches him. You, uh, you probably heard that story, but just really quick, here's what's happening. Jesus is actually on his way to someplace else. And as usual, there's a huge crowd around him. And this woman who's been hemorrhaging for years, which in their culture at that time meant she couldn't really ever go to the temple anymore. Uh, A lot of people couldn't touch her, couldn't be part, uh, hang out with her. How she pulled this off, I don't know, because that was the reality, but somehow she got through the crowd. Maybe she just thought, they don't know they're unclean, deal with it. 
I don't know. But somehow she pushed her way through the crowd so that she could touch Jesus. Because she had heard that Jesus could heal. She had seen some people get healed. And she thought, if I could just touch maybe even just the edge of his clothes, maybe I'd get healed. Maybe he won't touch me with his hands. Maybe he won't do it out loud. Maybe he'd see me as unclean. But there's so much power coming out of that guy. Maybe if I just reach out. She believed that Jesus would reward those who seek him. Are you following me on this? And that's what Jesus meant when he turned around and he said, woman, your faith has healed you. He's not saying, good job. You believe so hard it actually came true. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, good job. You, you really went through the logic there and realized I really, I really am a powerful person. No, he's saying, good job. You actually believed so much you acted on it. And that's why you got healed. Tracking? This is consistent throughout scripture. Faith is inseparable from action. We're not saved by works, so people get confused every single time. But they're tied together. You, You can't have one without the other. It's like driving a car with no tires. You know what I'm saying? The tires aren't the car. It's hard to drive a car with no tires. Just saying. Another great story you find in the book of Philemon. Philemon is so short, it's just one chapter, so there's no three, chapter three at all, let alone a 316, but we will look at verse 16 in a second. But here's the awesome story of the book of Philemon. It's actually just a letter, a personal letter from Paul to this guy named, you guessed it, Philemon. But it's about this guy named Onesimus. And one of the many times that Paul is put in prison, in prison he meets an escaped slave. And this slave's name is Onesimus. And just really quickly, I always need to feel like I need to offer this disclaimer because the Bible has been so misunderstood and twisted over the years in different ways. But slavery in the Bible is not the kind of racist, really, really broken slavery that existed in America a couple of years ago. Okay? That's not it. It was more like what we would call employment. It was a deal between two people. It had nothing to do with what you looked like or where you came from or anything else other than this person's the boss and this person is the slave. But it also worked the same way as being in the military or someplace else. If you just don't show up, if you go AWOL in the military, is that a problem? Anybody know some military people? It's a problem. They own you. Does that make sense? And and so even though it was different from the really terrible slavery back then, there was, it was you couldn't just walk away. You couldn't just leave your owner. Are you following me on this? But that's what Onesimus did and he gets thrown in prison for it and he meets Paul who just quote unquote happens to be good friends with Philemon and the people that Philemon had started a church with. So Paul leads Onesimus to God. He helps him become a Christian, handwrites a personal letter for him to take back because Onesimus gets sets free before Paul does. Hands him a handwritten note to Philemon. He says, listen, Onesimus, you've got to do the right thing here. You've got to go back. You've got to go back to Philemon. But take this note and let's see what happens. And in the note, he asked Philemon to set him free. Well, let, let's just read it. He says, for perhaps this is why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. 
No longer as a bondservant, which is a really nice, polite way for the Bible to translate the word that also just means slave. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And this is the way that Paul spoke to everybody. The kind of peace, the kind of restoration, the kind of radical changes that God wants to do in us, it just transcends everything. It's bigger than anything. It's bigger than any social construct that we have. It's, it's, it's just big. It's bigger than somebody who's in prison for teaching this stuff. He's writing from prison, still changing the world. It's still changing the world today. Ephesians 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen to the beauty of this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. One. All, all of that is encapsulated in what this verse we're trying to learn together. Let's try it one more time. You can, you, it, it's going to be on the screen again. Let's try it. Here we go. The word of Christ. There we go. Let, let's try it together. Let's try it together. I think I'll join you. Ready? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, faith also keeps us singing and thanking God. Say that together. Faith keeps us singing and thanking God. Now, I know whenever we say singing, there's a bunch of you that are kind of like me and go, yeah, let's go. And there's a bunch of you who are like, singing? Really? Do I have to? And that's okay. Jesus loves all of us. There's one. One of all this stuff, okay? There's one body, and that's great. But the idea here is deeper than you have to sing songs. The idea is you celebrate together. It's like even, even in the military, they march to music. You know what I'm talking about? And then everybody, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? It's that kind of thing. Hey, we're all on the same team here, and we're going to go where we're going to go together. This is, you know, it's like the, the national anthem before a, any kind of a ball game or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, here we go. You at least stand. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that if you, you know what I'm talking about. But the Holy Spirit is going to always inspire in us a real sense of gratitude and thanksgiving. He's going to inspire us to express the truth of God, the, the awe we have of God, the, the gratitude, the unconditional allegiance we're pledging to him. And one way that really works for most people is singing. But the essence of worship is even deeper than that. What I'd love to, as we start around the final lap here this morning, I'd love to explore what this means about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Because some people get confused by this. First, let's start. Even Jesus 
talked about the Psalms being really important. Luke 24, 44, Jesus says, and he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. A lot of times we just say the law and the prophets kind of rattle that off and that, that means the Old Testament. The Psalms were an integral part of it. The Psalms contained a lot of the prophecies that Jesus really verbatim um, fulfilled on purpose. The Psalms said a lot about the Messiah and the Psalms spent a lot of time thanking God for the amazing things that he did and crying out to God and saying, where in the world are you? Are you even still there? Do you even care? The Psalms, are, uh, they, they express the human experience. They put into poetry. And originally they had tunes with them too. They were lyrics in the original language. It's hard to see, see that sometimes in, in English. It doesn't rhyme anymore. But they were songs. They were poems. And they expressed what it feels like to follow God in real time. And Jesus said he came to fulfill that as well. Just like the law and the prophets. That's huge. And that's, that's why Psalms in this verse and some other verses, when it says you should sing Psalms to each other, it means the Psalms. It's pretty simple, right? It's, it's those same stories, those same poems in the Bible. Ephesians 5, Paul says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Listen how familiar this sounds. This is to a different church. But again, he's writing from inside of a prison and sending this out to encourage people. Listen how similar it sounds to this verse we've been percolating in today. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's almost the same wording even. I think this is important. So very quickly, as simply as I can put it, here, here's what this means. Psalms are the Psalms. Hymns are songs that we write, any generation writes. A lot of those songs we call hymns today were written maybe a hundred years ago or even older. They're still good. But hymns are, hymns are songs that are written to help us say truth out loud, help us memorize truth. The, the very first person in modern history who did this, the church has done it ever since Jesus in one way or another, but the modern, per, the modern train got started by Martin Luther and he literally took the, a popular German bar song and put Christian words to it. And that's where we got, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Okay, and I, I don't know. I don't know what the original words were, but the original ones they'd be swinging their mugs. And, <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, if if all these people who don't even like music will sing while they're drunk, and they know all the words, what if, what if we put scripture to that? What if we put truth to that? And guess what? It works. We still do it today. 
Those are hymns. Whatever song, it's expressing truth. It's expressing theology. Maybe it even has scripture in it, but it's telling us the truth and we sing it together. That's a hymn. And, and spiritual songs are more like love songs. They're, they're, they're songs where we just express our feelings. A spiritual song can be like some of the Psalms where it's like, where are you, God, kind of prayers. And they can also be ones like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. You may remember that? Sing it with me and actually pray it as a prayer. To worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your That's a sweet, sweet sound. And that's where we just express our emotions to God. And even if you don't like seeing, you probably felt something just for a minute because that's just how it works. And it's as simple as that. This morning, I want to challenge you guys to figure out exactly tangibly what you're going to do about what we've been exploring here. How are you going to teach somebody? How are you going to admonish somebody? There's always space on your study guide. I'd love for you to write down a name or a day or a location or all three. How are you going to do this? Because we teach sometimes by words, but sometimes by actions. If you're a teacher, you'd like to get involved in this, come see me afterwards. We, would love, we need some more Sunday school classes and growth groups. I'd love to get the party started helping you become an actual teacher that way. But just living intentionally, just on purpose, living by example is a way to teach. Probably the most powerful one. You need to figure out how you're going to do that. You need to figure out how you're going to admonish others, other believers especially, You're not coaching non-believers. You're inviting them into the team in the first place. But people who have bought in, they're 100% committed to Jesus. We actually can coach each other. You're with me? We remind each other what's true. You need to figure out how you're going to do that. Who are you going to help coach this week? Who do you know that you trust enough that you would let them coach you this week? You need to figure that one out. Write something down this morning. And, and as you sing, if you're a singer or some other kind of artist, that, that might come more easy. But you need to figure out some things that you're going to get excited about. You're going to get emotional about. You're going to get passionate about, about God. You're going to figure out ways to really get into it. Maybe, maybe you don't like singing in church, but you'll, you'll sing Rocky Top at a UT game. Something's wrong. Something's wrong there. You know what I'm saying? You need to figure out how do I really connect? How do I live this out? How do I live and experience these truths so that I know they're real? They're actually driving the train of my entire life. How do I thank God even in the midst of whatever else I'm going through? Brothers and sisters, these things are always true. It's real. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what God's calling you to do. But as, as always, we're, we're going to invite you to come and make a choice. You can come up here and make a public one or back there and make a private one. But before we do that, one more time, let's say that verse together. It'll be up there, but see if you can say it without looking. You ready? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God.